0: All night long, we talk about the Cardinals all night long.
1: And we welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, it's always Alan Medlock, Red Dirt, Redbird at a Medlock one on Twitter. And joining us this week is Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News. You'll find Ryan at, at Ryan Fagan on Twitter. And Ryan, thanks for joining us, and uh, glad to have you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, and you know, Sporting News has has a cachet, especially in baseball Hi. circles. Um, tell us about what you do there and how you got there. Well, I
2: mean, I, I grew up in in suburban St. Louis,
1: so you know,
2: I so the Sporting News was the first, um, the first subscription that I had on my own, mm-hmm. first one that came to my house that said Ryan Fagan on it, and not um, something else. So, <laughs> it, you know, it was always a big a big thing uh, to read the magazine and uh, to be there. Now, I mean, I started in October of '05, so we're 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 past the 15 year mark in it. Wow. That's kind of, that's a little bit surreal to a, a St. Louis kid. Um, but it, it's been great. I've done a little bit of everything there. I was hired um, in 05 as an assistant editor on the magazine side. And one of my first assignments was fact checking the NASCAR page, you know? So <laughs> that's it's awesome. I, I mean, I've literally done every, there was one. Um, I would fact check the NASCAR page and uh, we called it first edits. And then the same thing with the college football. And Matt Hayes was our college football writer. You know, and Matt is great and he's so plugged in. And I remember one time he wrote a story about this kid who had transferred from a Juco <clears throat> to, uh, I think, Tennessee to play quarterback. And in that article he wrote that, you know, to show he was serious somehow, Matt tied it into <clears throat> a pretty dramatic haircut the kid had gotten his second year at Juco. And I couldn't find that anywhere. So I called the coach and I was like, <laughs> Did this kid really cut his hair to show he was serious? And the guy's like, Yes, why why would you need to check that? I was like, I don't know, it's a fact check. So um, yeah, so that that's <laughs> that that was one of my one of the first phone calls I ever made on behalf of sporting news was was that.
1: Wow. That is that is fun. Um... Were you there? Was it still the oversized newspaper when you started out? It wasn't
2: the newspaper. It was the the glossy. Um, I was there when it was. Um, it was a it was a bigger one. Then we went to a smaller, and then we went back to a bigger one for the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's gone through a sporting news has gone through a lot of changes. Uh, five five different owners now. We just have a new owner uh, who basically is still in the process of taking over i guess he officially took over his group at at the beginning of the year but and i've told a lot of people this and i'm not just saying it like this is as excited as i've ever been um for a new ownership group and the direction and a, a future of the company so it's it's pretty cool right now hey what is how do you pronounce the new ownership group you're thinking of the zone, and that's the previous owner. The previous
0: one. Okay. I wasn't sure. I, there was, you know, I, there's some boxing fans here in town at one of the facilities that are working. It's. It, I didn't realize that was the owner at one point until yes. I kind of did some background work on it. And I thought that was funny. And then I was like, I, I don't remember how to say it.
2: And I could probably settle an argument if if, if I could. Yes. It is, it is definitely like D A Z O N E. Okay, cool. But now, why they did that is is beyond me and I I don't, I can say that now, (laughs) 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 but but that's, that's how they did it. So. Did you get to cherry
0: pick the, uh, where you are now as in the, the MOB editing and the college basketball?
2: Yeah. I mean, the one thing that we've, we've always had really good editors and like senior editors at SN um, and they've allowed us to whenever possible to say, okay, this is what I would like to do. So, you know, being there as long as I have, um, I've had a lot of time to kind of, you know, decide what I like doing and, and the freedom and ability to, to to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've um, I've kind of figured out this little combination. And really, to be honest with you now, I, I'm, it used to be that I was <clears throat> pretty much 50-50 college hoops in the winter all day, every day, and then baseball in the summer all day, every day. Uh, now it's more along the lines of <clears throat> 90% baseball and then ride a little college hoops when you know the, the tournament is about to kick in so um, yeah there was a time that you know I was I was going to I mean all kinds of, of basketball games when I lived in Charlotte um, yeah I would go I would go all the time and not just to the you know Duke Carolina and, and those I would go to I mean I was a regular at Gardner Webb. Um, when Chris Holtman, who is the yeah head coach at Ohio State now, um, when, when Chris was the head coach at, at Gardner-Webb, I'd go there and watch a game just because and then talk to Chris afterwards. You know, He's a really good guy, and it's, it's been cool to see the success that he's had.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. The uh, I honestly – I knew that you dabbled in it a little bit, and we've had Twitter conversations about college hoops and whatnot. And, uh, but until you did the shows with Raby – yeah. The last couple of weeks is when I realized, I was like, you know what? I didn't realize that uh, you were so involved in it, you know, so that, uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's rare here is, is, I mean, being in Oklahoma, you know, yeah. I'm a huge baseball and college basketball fan just yeah. because my roots are in both, which is odd because, you know, football is the dominating sport around here. So we get a lot of the big 12 stuff. I can only imagine being in North Carolina, you know, how, uh, how much of the ACC uh, you were, you know you got the witness.
2: Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool living out there. And, you know, the first time you, you go and cover a game at, you know, at, at Durham and, and um, Cameron Indoor, and you're sitting right there and the students are, you know, kick kneeing you in the back of the head and dropping <laughs> elbows on you unintentionally. It's, it's quite the scene. Let me, let me tell you that.
0: That'd be awesome. You know, yeah. we're lucky we have Gallagher Iba here, which is, which is, yeah. it is incredible. It's incredible. You know, it, arena but I can only imagine some of the uh, Duke Carolina Wake Forest situations um now you you moved back to St. Louis just a couple years ago so were you down there covering the ACC at all whenever Virginia was at the top of the baseball game
2: uh Virginia baseball yeah, yeah. no I didn't really do much college baseball um, okay. it was just just pretty much the basketball
0: that's awesome. I was cool. there.
2: I was there courtside when Virginia hoops lost to UMBC, though. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's yeah. That's not what Virginia people want to hear about. But um, yeah, no, I was there for that. That was, that was the scene.
1: That's yeah, awesome. I think I was reading that article of yours today. You know, looking up some stuff about how you yeah. were able to write a final story so early on on a sixteen in one upset.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's funny. That, not that you guys want to talk about this, but I. We, it, it's gotten to the point that the the upsets that I've seen and covered live in the tournament, we, we call it the Fagan jinx. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's crazy. I've seen – I've been courtside, right? Before Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, there had been nine games. Wait. Is that right? Not yet. Nine games where a 15 or a 16 had won. And I'd been there for 33% of them. Wow. <laughs> I was there for Lehigh Duke, and I was there for Middle Tennessee over, um, uh, over Michigan State, which actually was in St. Louis. Um, and I, I was at a site in Tampa one year where there were two 12 seeds and two thirteen seeds that won. Um, I mean, it's just it's crazy. It, it got to the point that when I was covering the tournament every year, because so many crazy things would happen when I was at games, my friends would ask me what site I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was a smart strategy because something crazy happened every time. And it really was like when, when Wichita state beat Gonzaga when the, the Zags were number one seed um, and the shockers wound up going all the way to the final four, I was, I was there, you know, it was just like crazy stuff happens all the time. It's, it's a lot of fun. I miss, I missed covering the tournament this year and, and a lot of people asked me if I was going to be at, you know, at, at Mackey or at, in, at the different at Hinkle, but I, I did not cover it this year.
0: Well, how how tough is that to cover this year? I mean, I'm sure that's got to be in, incredibly hard and limited.
2: It, it is, from what I understand. I mean, we're still in the, um, we're still not really traveling to to any no. yet. So I didn't even ask about uh, covering this year's because, you know, Craig Flanker, is, it's just at this point, it's still. It's still not worth it. Now, I have been vaccinated the first round, but yeah. I know that was going to happen. So, yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I think um, <coughs> as an Arkansas alumni, I'd prefer that you not even watch that game. Um, now, up. watching
2: it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> okay, I mean, well, that's good to know. Good it's to only know. if I'm there.
1: It only has to, well, don't, don't take a late trip. So. Um, <laughs> you're, anyway, you're doing, I won't be doing that. So, you, you grew up in St. Louis then. So, um, I, I mean, it kind of, Default, and I assume that you grew up as a Cardinal fan. You, you
2: don't grow up in St. Louis loving baseball without mm-hmm. having a pretty strong indoctrination into the, the Cardinal way of life. There's no doubt about that.
1: Do you have what? What are some memories of of growing up in that area? I mean, you know, Alan and I, of course, yeah. way off from there. So to be yeah. there on the ground, I mean, it was to the point that like we lived
2: the the, um, the neighborhood we lived in was in suburban St. Louis across the river. Um, in St. Charles County and we lived in a, a neighbor a street that was kind of a, a big circle anyway you couldn't it wasn't a through neighborhood, right? So you didn't go into the neighborhood unless you were were you lived there, you were visiting someone there. So there weren't a ton of cars. We could ride our bikes. When I was when I was ten, eleven years old, we could ride our bikes around the block and you could listen to the Cardinal game the whole way because mm. people would be sitting out on their front porch or the back porch and they'd have wow. the transistor radio turned up and you could literally just ride your bike around and never miss a pitch. And, you know, that's what it was like growing up there. Um, And that was, that would have been in the, you know, the late eighties at that point, but that's, you know, that's, that's how it was. You know, I mean, that's what it was. I remember when, um, you know, I remember the, the go crazy folks call. I was watching that one, when Ozzie corked, Mm -hmm. Smith corked one down the line Mm. When, when Jack Clark hit his home run that clinched the, the series in '85 against the the Dodgers, my buddy and I, we just got out and we didn't know what to do. We were so excited, so we just ran and jumped on our bikes and started running around, driving around, riding around the neighborhood, going, "The Cardinals won! The Cardinals won!" And, <laughs> you know, nobody looked at us like we were crazy because everyone was watching it too. So, sure.
1: sure, that's that's awesome, and I assume many trips to the stadium.
2: Yeah, you know, we actually um, I was a little annoyed at um, at McGuire in '98. Because mm-hmm. before then it was a kind of a lull, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the early '90s. And I loved those. I loved those. Loved watching those teams. But you know, it, the attendance wasn't what it is yeah. and has been. So we could go down. We figured out like the parking meters in downtown St. Louis turned off at six o'clock. You could go down, park on the street for free, a couple blocks away, because it wasn't too many people. And then you buy a bleacher seat for five bucks. And the bleacher seats at that point were first come first served. They, they weren't numbered. So You just could go as close to the ballpark as as early you got there because they didn't sell. They didn't go on sale until two hours before the game. So we would go and park for free and buy a ticket for five bucks and watch a baseball game. And then when McGuire got there and started hitting home runs, batting practice became a thing. And then you couldn't get the tickets. And then they started selling them in advance and numbering them, and it was all kind of history. So we were we were a little annoyed at him because of that, um, because it ruined our cheap and easy free card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
1: I, I guess the, the home runs help make up for it a little bit. So yeah. yeah. Um, it transitioned a little bit as well. I did go back to, to your writing at, at Sporting news. You're also a hall of fame voter. Um, yeah. for what last five years or so. I, I have voted five times. Yeah.
2: What's that like? It is, um, it's the it's the coolest thing in my career, um, it, it really is. It, it's. I remember when I, when I interviewed at Sporting News, one of the guys who did one of the interviews was a Hall of Fame voter, and he asked me what I thought about the steroid era guys, mm-hmm. and what what I would do if I ever had a vote. And I just remember thinking, I'm never going to get a vote. <laughs> what what what, is, what are you asking me that for? Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's. It's, 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 it's heavy. It, it is, you know, I know at some point in voters careers, they may not take it as seriously uh, as they once did, but that has not happened to me yet. I don't see it happening ever to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years before I, before I got that vote, I was I had a, I had sleepless nights every time I tried to figure out what I was going to do with it the guys like bonds and Clemens and whatnot. And yeah, it was, it's cool. And it's, it's cool to, you know, again, as the St. Louis kid earn, um, a vote by, you know, representing sporting news at ballpark. you know, that, that's a cool part of it. Yeah. The,
0: I had this question before, uh, before you started talking about it and it's about the hall of fame vote. And, you know, I know there's a little bit of controversy around it just because the votes are so, um, public now yeah um the passion in your voice when you said that kind (laughs) of makes it embarrass embarrassing for me to ask this question but would there be any would there be any benefit at all to maybe a three on one off like term limit of voters type situation to eliminate some of the the negativity or the the outright just not voting for someone or leaving the blank ballots open would there be any benefit to that at all or is that just one, it's earned, you can do whatever you want with it.
2: I think there's an, an element of it's earned and you can do what you want with okay. it. You hope that, the, that it's taken um, as it should be. You know, and I say that it's also not life and death. You know, I don't want to get out to be something that it's, it's not. It's a really cool thing. It's a big honor. It's a big decision. But we're not, you know, we're, we're not dictating health care policies and whatnot here, you know. Like I mean, there, there was about... I want to say four or five years ago, there was a, a culling of the voter roll because it used to be that once you hit ten years, that's when you get your vote. When you've been a BBWA member for ten consecutive years, once you get the vote, you never lost it. You know, so if you got the vote at, you know, thirty-six years old, you voted and you lived until you were a hundred. You you could you could vote until you were a hundred. You know, even if you'd retired. So they changed it so that you know after I think ten years of not actively actively covering it you lose the automatic vote and you have to kind of apply and they can, depending on what you've done, how close to the game, they can decide. And it's the hall that does this, not the BBWA, um, decide whether you still get a vote. So I think that, that cut, I want to say like 150 people off. And some of those people probably deserve to lose their votes. And some of them didn't, you know, there were some people that still really took it seriously and and loved it and did the research and knew what they were voting on. Uh, I do feel, I mean, it's not a fair shake for those people, but I think overall it probably um, it cleared off some of the voting rolls as they should have been cleared off.
0: Do you have any uh, Do you have any uh, contact with the hall, the hall, the the, the 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 people that run it and stuff
2: like that? Um, you know, there's a media director um, hmm. who in contact with. So, somewhat regularly, you know, if I have a question, you know, because sporting news is connected to the Hall, you know, pretty
0: yeah, yeah,
2: pretty intrinsically. So, um, you know, so I, you know, I'll, I'll I've talked to the to the guy who has it now, John Shasta. I always pronounce his name wrong. Shasta is what we call him. Um, mm-hmm. so him and then the guy who did it before, Brad Brad Horn. Um, you know, deal with them and talk to them on an email and when I see him at the ballpark. Um, when, when I need to, or I have questions or I'm working on some sort of story that'll involve them. So. Or like, there have been times when I've, you know, somebody will tell me, "Oh, yeah, this is in the Hall of Fame." Well, maybe I don't know, you know. A lot of people <laughs> say that. I'll, I'll email like, "Hey, is this really in the Hall?" You know, before I write it, you want to make sure it's accurate. So, right?
0: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think I've met Brad Horn. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There was there's a, there, was a uh, y- there used to be a yearly deal for a season ticket. I've I've had season tickets holder season ticket to the Drillers here for for years and. Okay. There used to be a, uh, a like a yearly dinner that you could get into, you know, for an upcharged price or whatnot. And I went to Whitey Herzog one year, and I went to Ozzy one year, and I I'm almost positive that Brad Horn was there with Ozzy. would yeah. make sense, yeah, yeah. So that, that was pretty cool, and that, that's why I was asking because the people that I've had contact with are just really good people, and you can oh, tell yeah. it's, I mean, it is the gold standard.
2: You know what I've always seen is they they, they every year they have a. um a yearly internship. And I've always thought, man, if I had known about an internship, man, <laughs> the hall of fame yeah. was in college. I would have, <sighs> that would have been like the, the absolute dream thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm sad that I did not. I mean, I, maybe they didn't have it back then. I don't know, but I, I wish that would have been something I could have done. That would have been pretty cool. Was journalism
0: your, yeah, I mean, did you know what you were <laughs> going to do the minute you stepped on campus?
2: <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, um, not really. Uh, no. I, I I I loved it. You know, I loved the idea of writing. You I grew up reading Rick Hummel and the pages of the Post-Dispatch. And, you know, Bob Bragg was still doing some stuff, I think, at that point. You know, so you read that and you knew that that, those were the people that kind of, you know, and it was different back in the day, too, because there was really not a whole lot of ways to get information. So I did love that. And I did want to do that. Now, I can't, I'm not going to lie and say that that was my sole focus. Gotcha. That was my sole focus. I would have, you know gone to Mizzou in undergrad and that would have been everything I did. But, um, yeah, so, uh, but once I, you know, got towards the end of undergrad and, um, started looking for jobs, the the writing jobs are the ones that, that made the most sense. And so, yeah, I got, I got hired at a paper outside of St. Louis to cover high schools and minor
1: league stuff. And that uh, stayed there way too long. (laughs) Um, to go back a little bit to your hall of fame voting this yeah. year, I, I checked, uh, I read your ballot and of course you had a chance and did vote for Scott Rowland. Yeah. Is, I mean, not that I don't want to say that you were going to vote for him because he was a Carl or anything like that, but was there a little bit of extra, you know, maybe a little bit of pride to be able to cast that vote?
2: Um, You know, I, I mean, to be honest with, you no. Um, mm. I think that uh, I'll say this when I was, when I was covering that first job, covering high school sports and minor league sports, my brother was a high school athlete and he played, he was really good at football and he played on the basketball teams, ran track and stuff. Um, to try to, to distance myself from covering his games and to, te- to take an objective look at what he was doing and his team was doing it was really kind of a lesson that I, I feel like hit home. There is like, you can, you can have an interest and you can have a preference, but there's a way to look at things in an unbiased fashion. Um, and I think that's how I've always, you know, cause I always said, if I, if I can detach myself from covering my brother, scoring a touchdown in a game that, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like yeah. the team that, that he was on by his senior year it was, it was he, he, Seth and a couple other guys who had started the sophomores, you know, they won their first district title in like 17 years, the first conference title in, you know, 16 years. So it, it was a long time coming for that school. Um, so if I could detach myself enough to write Unbiased from there, you know, a major league franchise that I have a real connection to was e- was easy enough to, to detach myself from. And so it, you know, I mean, it, it, it did. <laughs> It, it it honestly didn't really make any um any impact the fact that he had you know done did what he did with the cardinals which was you know great stuff
1: yeah and I, and i i'm not surprised at your answer really i, I know I've heard Derek Golden and others that cover the team really yeah. talk about that separation of you know what you might be as a fan versus what you are as a you know impartial writer and yeah. you know as you know, bloggers, it's it's a little hard to to get in that mindset. But you know, I guess we so figure long, that out. And like you know, I think it, we've been doing it for so long that it just yeah.
2: becomes easier. You know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. It just becomes easier.
1: The other thing that we have to talk to you about before we talk about anything that might be cardinal related is your Twitter feed is a m- mother load, I guess, is the way of, of baseball cards. Yeah. Um, it, it, tell about, you know, one, why you decided to be so involved with that, and what's your favorites?
2: Well, I mean, it's, I, I've always loved, I've actually, as, as as we're talking, I found a couple of sets of um, 1986 Donruss highlights. <laughs> $4 each, and I, I bought one, I looked through it, and there was a there's a Bo Jackson in there from 86 Ooh. and I opened one and huh. it was like, that's in really good shape. And, um, so I went, <laughs> they were $4 each. So I went back and bought like 10 more, you know, to <laughs> see if there's any like in pristine shape. Um, but now I've, I've always loved baseball cards. I, 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 collected a ton when I was a kid, you know, I went to the big card shows. There was a, there was a show in, um, in downtown St. Louis, it was like a national show or something. And on that yeah. one day, I, I won a door prize that was a Lou Brock autograph baseball. I opened a Frank Thomas 1990 Leaf rookie card. Wow. And Muhammad Ali gave me an autograph. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is the greatest day of my life, you know? So, uh, you know, last year, about a year ago in February, I I happened to stop by somewhere and I was a box of 1991 Upper Deck and like for 10 bucks, which now they're selling for like 115 which is ludicrous. But I bought it for like mm-hmm. 10 bucks, and I opened the pack, and there was a bunch of cards in there. I was like I – I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I have stories like for each one of these guys, like things that I remember about each one.
1: <laughs> <coughs>
2: and then so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it on Twitter because I bet other people have stories too. So I just laid them all on the table, took a picture, and said, tell me – a story about one of these guys, right? Not thinking anything of it. It was a Friday night about like eight o'clock or something. And just I, like immediately these stories start coming in and people are like, you know, I, Milt Thompson was one of the cards. I'm like, you know, I met Milt Thompson at an autograph show one time and, you know, he was super nice and I've always been a fan. And there was all these things. And what, what was amazing to me is one of the cards in there was Ken Griffey Jr., right? So, Griffey Jr., you know, that's a card you'd like. I bet of like the 60 replies, 70 replies, one or two people mentioned Griffey because everyone else was talking about the stories that they had. And, you know, there was somebody, I think, I don't know if it was that packer or a a follow up that said, you know, like this guy hit two home runs in the last game that I ever went to with my dad before he had a heart attack or something like that. You know, like these, these connections that people have with with those players and those cards, it was just immediate to see. I even told my wife like 20 minutes later, I was like, I think I found something here. Right. So I, I, since then, um, I think that was, it was actually, that's right. It was Valentine's day last year, which I should have not been playing around baseball. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? So, yeah, I told her, I was like, this is, I think I got something here. And so I've been doing it pretty consistently since then and just, it's kind of developed a nice little following. It's fun. And, you know, Twitter can be a, a horrible place. I mean, you guys know that. It, it can be just awful. Yeah. It can be horrible. Yeah. Um, but that is kind of a, it's its a nice, selfishly, it's a nice little bright spot for my day because I get to hear people's stories and people read through the comments and they get to read other people's stories. And it's just, it's cool. I, I, I enjoy it. And um, sometimes I may spend a little too much time on it, but, you know, it's, it's been a it's been a crummy year, you know, for everybody. And yeah, uh, right. something every day that, you know, brings a little smile to your faces. It's 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 been pretty fun.
0: Oh yeah, I think it's fantastic. I mean, that's kind of how you and I were were connected. Yeah. It was I could tell that we were in the same age just by some of the uh the sets in the years that you would show and i was thinking okay those were in my heyday too because i remember that first set of upper deck that was Mm -hmm. that was top notch unbelievable you know when they came out as their own cards and then of course you know you have your 87 tops and all those and and we kind of did the same thing me and a uh, and my best friend we would go to to surrounding card shows and and do the same thing dallas i remember going to joplin i we were at a I can't remember if we went to a card show or not, but we went to a, a cards Braves game in 93. And I remember that uh, it's a funny story. I'd actually written a blog post about this where the, uh, the Braves were up nine to nothing. And, you know, we're a six hour drive from Tulsa to St. Louis. And, Uh, my buddy's mom made us leave and we heard the comeback, (laughs) the nine run comeback on the way. And my buddy was just livid the whole time and his mom for uh, making this drive all the way back. So it, it, it brings back a ton of memories and, and that had, When you'd asked me to write for that, uh, a few things about uh, some sets that you'd posted in one of your sporting news posts, I remember I sent that to my buddies and whatnot. I said, Hey, would you guys agree with some of these things? Because these were the ones that we grew up with, and they were all fired up about it. And that was (laughs) right around the time of the quarantine, you know? And so the stories start passing around, and you remember having these, and a buddy of mine actually left went through his storage unit to find his uh, yeah. junior rookie card in the upper deck and, and brought another whole bunch of stuff up. Um, I, I'm going I'm being real long winded on this now, right around before the, uh, the start of quarantine, his uncle who kind of got us into baseball cards passed away. Uh-huh. And so he had inherited some of those and, 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 he's got some pretty cool Cardinals uh, awesome. cars from then that actually got us going on that in the, uh, you know, in the, in the mid eighties and whatnot. So, so yeah, I, I can completely see where this connects with people. I mean, it did, I mean, I'm from a town of like 2,400 people and we were able to get a huge conversation going on just your one
2: post. So <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff I love, you know, and it's just, I don't know, to get people to, uh, you know, and you, you cause when you, I mean, that's part of the thing with the, the pandemic is everyone was looking for, okay, well, what can I do that, that – what, what made me happy at one point in my life, you know, and it's yeah. Yeah, large cards that, that did that. Now that's driven the prices of the cards just ludicrous. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know I mean? Like I bought, I bought a bunch of stuff at um, the beginning of the pandemic. You know, I, I had I had started after a, that, that post in – that first pack of the day post in February – um, I started buying some other stuff and going around to other card shops and, and whatnot, see what I could find. And then I started buying stuff on eBay. And then I stopped because I bought too many things. And I was like, I'm not buying anything. <laughs> and then yeah. I, remember, I remember like one of them was like, I bought I bought two more boxes of that, 91 Upper Deck. And the, the total, including shipping, was $23 for those two boxes. I looked up, um, and I, I think I put this on Twitter about a month ago or so, the same two-box lot of 91 Upper Deck. Now, that's the one where the, the Jordan single print is, the SPU. Yeah. Um, like, a two-box lot was selling for, like, two fifty. Wow. And I'm just like, that's... Part of me wishes I would have known that that was going to happen. I can't say I'm very smart about this stuff. Because I've had <laughs> it through a, a nostalgia lens. So, like, you know, I'll pay $20 for 36 packs of nostalgia, right? Um, I wish I would have looked at it through in a, a, a different way because I would have bought <laughs> eight boxes of those and kept six of them and sold them to find a whole thing. But um, that's okay. You know, it's all, it, it's all, it's all about trying to have a little bit of fun. And
0: that's awesome.
1: Well, and I noticed you, you, you bought the book, the, the wax packer, you got the book. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know if you've had a chance to go through that, but I think you're gonna. I mean, because it's basically that in living form. I mean, yeah. you know, what yeah. you're talking about is going with a pack of cards and, and talking to those players. So, it's a. Uh, I think you're really gonna enjoy that. <coughs> that that's a book that
2: the first time I because yeah, I haven't read it. It's actually sitting right here, two feet away from there. I got it a couple of days ago, and um, the the tournament was on, so I, mm-hmm. I watched the tournament instead of reading a book. Um, but it when, the first time I heard about that. My first thought was, "That's really cool," and my second thought was, "Why the hell didn't you think about doing that?" <laughs> it is. That's yeah. That's right up my alley. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm excited, and I'm excited to read it, and and I'm prepared to be annoyed at myself at every good. Chance. <laughs> um, yeah, that could have been. That could have been my book. But yeah. it's, well, it's still good.
1: You know. Maybe maybe somebody will take a a, figure out how to tweak it a little bit and and do it. Something. I've had
2: people tell me that you know, like some of the stuff, potential book ideas. But you know, a book is a big, big (laughs) commitment. You know, (laughs) it's not like I'll write an article on that. The book is a, a
1: book is a thing. Do you think you'd ever write one? Um,
2: possibly. Um, I've had. I have people approach me about a couple of different things and um, some of them I've, I've thought would really make good books, but you know, it's just, it's such a time commitment. I've talked to, mm. you know, I have friends who have written, I, I lots of friends who have written books and some of them say it's great and some of them say it's awful and I'd never do it again. So mm. it kind of depends on, you know, publishing and we're self-publishing and all those different things. So,
1: yeah. And what stage of life you're in as well. Um, yes. Yes. With with the that, two that um,
2: will, There will not be a book written. No. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, let's talk about baseball 2021 in general. And maybe we'll talk about the Cardinals in specific, but coming off of whatever last year was, yeah. what do you see for this season? Are, are there things that you're going to be looking for?
2: I mean, there's, The thing I'm most excited about is just having people there. You know, going to the ballpark again. Selfishly, going to the ballpark again. I mean, actually, I moved to St. Louis, moved back to St. Louis in at the end of September 19, and (laughs) part of the reason was to be at the ballpark every day in 2020. Never, (laughs) excuse me, never thinking that might not happen um, for any reason. But, yeah, so I'm just looking forward to to being at the ballpark and seeing fans and seeing people enjoy baseball again.
0: Go ahead, Al. Will that be in a professional
2: capacity? I'm sorry, what was that? Will that be in a a professional capacity? Oh, yeah. St. Louis? I will be be down there at the ballpark um, with my baseball BBWA credential that – That's awesome. Unused last year. So I'll be down there doing that as as much as I can, at least for parts of most games, I would say.
1: Do you, in a typical season, travel much, you know, seeing other games? It's changed a lot over the years.
2: Um, The, you know, I'll go for like the All Star game and and the postseason. There are fewer and fewer trips. Um, for just regular season stuff. You know, part of this, because it's just the game is is different now. You know, you you can have access in different ways. Um, You know, especially with Zoom now, you know, there's not as much of a reason Mm -hmm. to be there. It's just that you still get the interview and the access. It's just a different way to watch the game on TV versus being in person. You know, and I think it's still better in person, but um, it's just when you're talking about, you know, companies and travel budgets and whatnot, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, judgments to be made and so oftentimes that does kind of fall into the the way of not going somewhere but you know I mean in before this year I've gone to spring training every year for the past 10-12 you know, years something like that um, so that was weird not to go this year I was actually in Florida when everything kind of went right before everything went crazy you know, I remember I was at the the Astros. Camp, the first day that we weren't allowed to shake hands with the players, you know, I remember I went up to Josh Reddick and I was like, Hey, Josh, can I ask you a question? And he's like, Yeah, sure. And he's reached out his hand to, to shake my hand. And I was like, Oh, wait, no. And he like stuck out his elbow. He's like, I guess this is what we're doing now, right? <laughs> and then, you know, by, by the, the day I got back is when the Rudy Gobert thing happened. And the NBA canceled the game. And, and yeah, yeah. it was just crazy how everything, how quickly everything changed.
1: Yeah. Cause it was what the, it was the next day. I remember that it, the Cardinals were playing the Marlins and Wayne Wright yeah. pitching and it, everybody knew that at the end yeah. of this game, there was going to be no more baseball for a right. while. And you're like, and, Why are they still out there? What <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wasn't
0: it, it was the last sporting event, wasn't it? I mean, because yeah. all the conference tournaments had, had canceled, you know, yeah. it's, I think it, it's nuts.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, it it was, it was crazy. Weird. <laughs> But, um, so uh, obviously there's all the stuff that from last year that the the teams are still going to have to deal with, but then there's this thing called the CBA at the end of the year. Is there a dark cloud over this season because of that for you, do you think, or is it something that is really just going to kind of hit more like after the season?
2: Uh, it's, it's there, it's, it's over everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Can you ignore it? Yeah. You know, if you want to, you can ignore it because it's not going to change the way this year is. Um, Well, except for the fact that you actually have uh, no DH this year directly because the CBA expires at the end of this season. You know, that's why neither side wants to budge on that, even though both sides want the DH there. Um, Major League Baseball tried to include that as a – tried to pretend that it was a big concession for the owners and wanting expanded playoffs and all those other things they asked in the proposal that the MLB PA turned down. So if there was no CBA at the end of the year expiring, there would be the DH in the end of the year. Um, that's why it's not there. Uh, and they still say, you know, I mean, the MLBPA is still open to it changing, which is crazy a couple days ahead of, um, yeah. Of, uh, then you're kind of Tyler Keppner wrote that today. The, the, they're still open and the MLB is positioned as well, it's not happening now. We gave them a chance, which is, is a little bit crazy logic. but um, yeah, so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, I just can't wait for it to the game to start and to get down there and to, to be back to some sort of <clears throat> normalcy, which is something that we really haven't had for way too long.
0: That's true. That's true. The uh, yeah, it's one of those. It's tough to be optimistic about it, just because I thought that, you know, the pandemic short shortened season last year would give them a ample reason to negotiate give their hand out to one another when, you know, virtually, I guess, and then, you know, find a little bit of uh, common ground. And I feel like it's made it worse. And uh, now you can't break any ice at all to get any movement.
2: It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I think it's just both sides know that it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. They don't want to give anything. And I, I hate, I hate that. That's not what it should be Yeah, on, on either side. Um, but that, that's, that's what it is right now. And it's, it's hard to get away from that. Being in the national scene, do you
0: think there's plenty of blame to go around? Equal blame to go around, I guess we should say.
2: Um, I think there is blame to go around. I, I, I tend to not think it's fully equal. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's kind of how I feel. But
2: yeah, um, no. there there are mistakes that have been made um, by both sides, and there have been calculated gambles that have gone wrong. Um, you know, the MLBPA in the last CBA probably gave away a little bit too much. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that has, that, is, that has shaped a lot of what is going to happen at this time to try to get some of that back. And while MLB is going to try to expand on on what they got last time, which, you know, they should from a business perspective. It, you know, it's not great for fans who are going the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to watch things. Yeah. Which is not what anyone really wants. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it's – um, it, it it has the potential to be ugly. Unfortunately, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope, but I'm, yeah. I'm not
1: super optimistic. <laughs> it's a lot more fun to write articles about you know games and and players than it is. I hate contract my, law. Yeah, no, it is not. It is not fun in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Cannot can't imagine. Um, is there a team that really can contend with the Dodgers this year? um cuz it still feels like I know the Padres have done a lot but it still feels like they're kind of, you know, head and shoulders above a lot of other teams.
2: They're they're so good. I mean, even mm-hmm. if they would not have gone out and gotten Trevor Bauer, they're still so good. I mean, we're we're looking at right? I mean, the battle for the fifth starter is is Dustin May, Tony Goss <laughs> David Price. I mean, Dustin May would be a two on a lot of stats, mm-hmm. yeah for oh, yeah. teams, you know, and he's – he might be a long relief guy. I I don't know. It's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, and you can never have too much pitching. You know, there's no doubt about it. You can never have too much pitching. And the Dodgers had room to go out and, in their budget to go out and get Trevor Bauer, and they did because, you know, they don't want to win just one. They want to win two. You know, and there are a lot of thoughts on Trevor Bauer. You can think whatever you want. But um, he, he definitely – if he pitches the way he did last year, he's definitely a, a big um, – uh, I mean – He's a, he's an improvement, but there's, there's, that was a pretty good team beforehand. But you know, to answer your question, I think I think the Padres are the team that are, is best suited to beat uh, the Dodgers in the postseason. Um, I don't think anyone is going to catch them in the regular season. I mean, I, I say that, and I and I add that the Padres are absolutely capable of winning a hundred games. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. And they're still not going to be close to catching the Dodgers. I mean, this is just um, a really good team. I actually, talked to um, Cody Bellinger yesterday in an interview, and he was talking about how you know they 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 want to get that second one. They're they're motivated. They're not you know all these all these cliches and whatnot. But I mean, I think they really are a team that is is set up to you know win not just one but um, multiple titles over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. And they're, they're just so deep. I mean, yeah. you bring up May and you know, Gavin Lux gets forgotten Yeah, and they are so deep. I mean, he was one of the better players I've seen come through the Texas league in the last six, seven years. Pretty easy. I mean, he was, he was transformer toward the end of, you know, he just, you knew he was too good for double a. And I mean, they're, I mean, gonna, he may be back in Oklahoma city. You know I mean? You never know. They're that deep.
2: It really is. It really is crazy. I mean, I, I I don't know how they're going to get everybody at bats. how they're going to do all these things. Yeah. But I think, you know, I I think when you have a a culture and a kind of a a situation like they do, I mean, everybody understands that the goal is to win a world series. And, and if, if your role isn't (coughs) what you want it to be in June, that doesn't mean you're not going to play a big part in October. You know? So I think everybody there understands that and they're, they're they're keeping that in mind as they as they work towards that that ultimate goal, which is repeating.
1: You know, the Dodgers tend to be that model team now. I mean, you know, what eight, nine straight division titles, and yeah. you know, uh, now a World Series title with it. But it wasn't that long ago that the Cardinals were kind of that team right. that everybody kind of looked toward. Um, what changed for St. Louis? Do you think?
2: I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to be that good, that consistent for that long. You know, you have to have a lot of things go right. You know, if you're looking at the Cardinals, you can, you know, I mean, you, you can tie a lot to, you know, with what happened with Oscar Tavares, you know, it started. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the kid that was going to be a star. You know, he had everything about him, like the, what he did, his flair for the dramatic, you know, he was going to be that guy that that replaced Pujols as a, you know, as kind of that offensive centerpiece, you know, I'm not saying he was going to be as good as Pujols was in his time in St. Louis, because that's ridiculous. Pujols in his years in St. Louis was insanely good, Um, but he was going to be the guy that they kind of built around, you know, and they've had issues in the outfield ever since. Um, You know, they've had to, they had to make moves to try to replace that. And that, you know, took areas of strength away. And, you know, that's not to say if, if Oscar Tavares stays at home that night, that the Cardinals still win all those, those games. And it was a horrible, horrible thing, you know, but it's, it was a, a, a player that they lost that they, you know, that was going to be that type of, of, of person and that type of player. So, you know, I think there some of that there's injuries, there's guys not developing there's, you know, I feel like in the last couple of years, every outfield choice that they've made, who they're keeping and who they're giving, who they're training away has kind of backfired a little bit on them. Um, so, you know, it's decisions like that, guys that don't pan out. Um, prospects are your own that you either overrate or underrate. And um, it, it's it's just hard. It, it's hard to be that good for that long where you're consistently a World Series threat. But, you know, they've done a really good job of not bottoming out. You know,
1: and I think there's something to be said for that as well. Were you surprised at the big trade then for, for Nolan Aranato? Um. Yes and no.
2: Anytime you have a, a deal of that magnitude, it's a little bit surprising. Um, I'm not surprised that the Rockies moved him. Um, mm-hmm. I am surprised <clears throat> that they did not get more for him, considering how much money they included.
1: You know, because <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, it's usually one or the other when the Rockies, moved
2: <laughs> both of them. Um, the Rockies are a front office and the organization has a lot of issues. It mm-hmm. really showed up, I think, in that period. That's. You know, whether or not Nolan Arenado finishes his career as a Hall of Famer in St. Louis or not, you know, that was a great move by John Moselech, um, for a lot of reasons. You know, things don't always pan out as you think, but for what he did to get the guy he did, for the way that he matches up with the Cardinals' needs in 2021 and beyond, um, it really was just a, a brilliant, brilliant move.
1: Is that enough for them to be the favorites? Then I mean, I know Milwaukee well, yeah. made some moves, but
2: I, I think so. I, I, in the in the Central, yeah, I, I think they were before that. To be honest with you, um, and that's not, not saying a lot. Let's be honest. <laughs> before that, I, think that, I mean, if you were if you were going to hit that eighty five, eighty six win plateau, you were probably the favorite in that division. You know, I think now they're 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 better than that a little bit. You know, you, you need the pitching to be. Um, good. You know, Kim hasn't had the greatest spring. Um, you know, Wainwright's looked great. I watched most of his last start, you know, just phenomenal out there. Um, you know, Jack Flaherty, is he going to be the guy that he was in 2019? Um, or is he going to be the guy that, you know, and obviously there are a lot of extenuating circumstances in 2020, but is he going to be hmm. that guy who's not the lights out stopper? Um, you know, there, there are questions. They, I feel like they have arms, but this spring hasn't been the greatest for those arms. Um, and that's going to go a long way because their defense, I think, is going to be solid. You know, their their offense is better with Arenado. They still need to find some sort of offense from the outfield. Um, they need Tyler O'Neill to, to play like he did in the spring. They need Dylan Carlson to be the guy that they think he can be. Um, they might just need to give up on Harrison Bader. Um, I'm not sure. I still feel like he has the potential to be that, but it's, it's been a while now, you know, and he hasn't been that consistent guy that they've, that they've wanted or needed for for a while now, so you know they'll need some more offense from somewhere. But I think they, you know they have the pieces certainly to get into the postseason, and then the postseason anything can happen.
0: And that, I mean, they're positioned, wouldn't you say, to make a move. And uh, you know what the deadline now yeah. more yeah. so than they were to where they, they have the pieces to where it's like, Hey, we did, we can upgrade somewhere. And, yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that's what it has, but you know, they haven't in the past few, few years, but also you haven't had those tempos in the
2: uh middle yeah. of
0: the lineup either to do it.
2: Yeah. You know, I think the, and that makes a difference too. And I think, you know, when you, when you make a trade like that for Nolan Arenado you're not going halfway in, you know, yeah. not yeah. You know the the phrase that I'm sure Moselec wishes he had never said: "The low hanging fruit." Yeah, uh, what was it? Five six years ago. That's not picking up five or six low hanging fruits and then hoping the one of them pans out. This is you made the trade for Arenado. You're 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 trying to win a World Series. You know, so I feel like there's more of a of a motivation behind that.
0: Yeah, good point.
2: This year and and you know not just this year because it's not like they want him to only be there for one year. Um, but I think that. I would be more surprised if they don't do anything, if this off season or mid season trade deadline than in a couple of the years past.
1: If if nothing else to show, Nolan, it's a little bit different in St. Louis than it is right. in Colorado. I think if, yeah. if he goes through another disappointing trade deadline in here, like, wait, I thought I left Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> oh me. Um right it's been a lot of fun is there any last little bit anything else about the season that's coming up that that you want to talk about or are excited about um
2: i don't know i'm excited to see the young guys i'm excited to see tatis with his big contract kind of show what what he can be finally see him for a full season i feel like i feel like he's been in the spotlight for a while now but i mean he's played you know 50 games last year 55 last year and like what was it, seventy, eighty? The year before, before he got injured, I'd like to see him in full season. You know that what what I what I love about every season is the guys that you didn't see coming, the guys that have a great first month or a great first half, and you see the All Star game, and you're like, I'm not sure I'd heard of him before. So you know, the, the guys that come out of nowhere. That that's what I like the most about baseball because you get that every year. You know, we can go out there and say, yes, I predict that Mike Trout is going to win the American League MVP. Well, that's not. It's he's exciting to watch, it's not exciting to pick, and it's not surprising. We want to be surprised. You know, baseball offers the eternal opportunity to be shocked. And we mm-hmm. see it all the time. And that's what I love and that's you know, the thing that I'm most hoping for. And it sounds weird to say the thing I'm most excited for is the thing I don't know, but it's it's the truth. <laughs>
0: And that's the beauty of being back too. You yeah. know, that's uh, the things that we missed last year, just because it seems so convoluted in the short time. Uh, last question for me what uh, What's your updated Final Four?
2: Updated Final Four. Well, let's just put it this way: I three I four, saw your three of, the, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> three of the four teams I had at the yeah. oh, were gone by the second yeah. round. Well, oh, I'm an Oklahoma <laughs> State
0: you know backer, so I I, I, I checked it. So,
2: man, I. I, I was I was looking for and I, I know I wrote this I was looking forward to that Illinois Oklahoma State game I thought that oh, was yeah. the best game of the tournament and you, you could have taken all of my money if you would have made me bet that neither team would get to that second that second round that <laughs> yeah game. yeah that's well and yeah,
0: I have no doubt that's why Oklahoma State was a four so like it <laughs> so the narrative could be written in, in that game I think that the NCAA wanted that too
2: yeah that would that I mean that that's crazy you know we have a um we have with um, the, the the Fagan family, you know, my dad's side, we have a, a bracket every year and the <laughs> winner gets something. I don't know. I've never won. And the, the loser <laughs> who finishes, last, finishes last has to wear the pink bunny costume from. Oh, man. And then yeah. has to run the St. Paddy's Day race the next year wearing that. So Ooh. all you really want to do is not finish last. So. Um, when I finished when I lost three of my first four teams my final four teams I was like oh crap I'm afraid to check the standings but it was so crazy that I'm still in good shape you know <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna win but I'm not gonna probably not gonna wear the bunny suit I don't think it's mathematically possible for me to to lose at this point which is good, good. So as long good. as as long as gonzaga gets to the I mean really as long as Gonzaga wins like one or two more games I think I'm yeah gonna-
1: that's a that's a fun tradition. It sounds that's like. that's awesome. It's only because I haven't had
2: to wear the bunny costume yet. Right, right. <laughs> the year <laughs> that you ever have to, yeah, I've been, fight. I've been closer to that than I have been because I can't resist. Like, because the smart play is to just pick the, the, go with the, the favorites, the hot, the yeah. But man, it's hard to pick a bracket and not have upsets. You know. Yeah. But yeah. so when you pick an upset that doesn't pan out, and then you have a team like, you know. Uh, Texas losing in the first round and you had going no. far, you know, the combination of that makes it a little bit dangerous, but you know, I, I, I can't, I can't pick a talk bracket. I just, I, I can't, I'm not physically capable of doing that <laughs> I, love, I love the tournament too much to, to do that. Awesome.
1: Well, and, and you know, next year when you actually maybe travel to it, then you'll know where the upsets are going to exactly. be. And-, and,
2: and I have absolutely picked the bracket. Based on where I'm gonna be, and I am, <laughs> did not pick um, UMBC to beat Virginia. I, I'm not gonna claim that no. I no. said that, but um, yeah.
1: Oh me. Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, look forward to continue to read you throughout the the year and uh, to keep watching the baseball cards come up.
2: Yeah, it was fun. Man. Thanks for having me. I apologize for a little bit of coughing here, but I'm still turning not a problem. Get over a little a little something. So
0: that's all right. I you said you were. I was imagining you opening cop drops, not uh, baseball cards. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it works have. perfect. I, I should have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my, my brain is always baseball cards. so. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Baby, well, thanks, Ryan. Back. Thanks. Appreciate it. Alice the second for one.
1: And we again thank Ryan for for joining us. That was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, again, the the idea of a St. Louis kid coming up to write for Sporting News, which is you know been so iconic in baseball and is stored and in, in, you know headquartered in St. Louis, has got to be pretty amazing, like he was talking about. So, um, but being that Ryan was more of a national perspective, we didn't want to have to get too bogged in the weeds with what the Cardinals are doing and. Um, the biggest thing right now, of course, is the fact that Harrison Bader is going to start the year on the aisle with this forearm issue, getting a injection of platelet-rich plasma, um, which Alan is going to discuss <laughs> right now if he's ready for it. I know that you know, you've got a background, you understand a little bit more about this, and I think we've talked about this before, but let's, let's go over it again. Oh yeah. I get on my
0: soapbox locks on this quite a bit. And like I said, I will tell you, I am no expert on the deal. Yeah. It would probably be better to talk to a physician about it. But what I do know is I did sell the centrifuge systems for a long time that actually produces your PRP. What it is, is if any, if you don't know and you can do any Google search and find this and you know, it's a, it's an IV draw where you spin it down under, a, under a set amount of time and it, and it, uh, and it releases your platelet poor for your platelet rich, which gives you your growth factors. And that's injected for uh, yeah anti-inflammation and, and a little bit of healing. The problem is, is the fad about 20 years ago was that, man, it was the all end. And then the studies came back where it wasn't great and it kind of went out of, the, out of its way. Then they kind of changed the system and they start doing those again. And, and it's funny to me now that that is kind of the lower end of the, it's the high end of the conservative. It's the lower end of the aggressive factor mm-hmm. or um, approach to, uh, to uh, treatment uh, these hardly ever come back. Well, um, after the, uh, I, you know, Michael's last year, you know, Bader this year, and we could probably do 10 players that we've heard this about in the past, uh, five or six years that have had this done. And, and I always text my buddies that, uh, you know, either the, the orthopedic PAs or the orthopods themselves and say, Hey, listen, what really happens on this? And you get a 90%, um, 90% of the guys that respond back to you are all, the stuff never doesn't work. You know, it's, it's worth a try, but it never works. So it's tough to be optimistic about these things. And we've kind of seen with Michaelis that it it didn't work at all. So I'm always apprehensive when I hear these and feel like it's going to be, you know, this first month is going to be not doing anything. You know, you're trying to cut down on inflammation and you, there's not going to be no, there will be very little movement at all. And uh, I just don't expect to see much of him before the all-star break. And you can kind of do the math and it, 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 it seems to make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking, like you said, sitting for a month brings you to, you know, kind of close to the end of May anyway um, or into April anyway. And the minor league season doesn't start till May 4th. So, I mean, we have seen the Cardinals do, you know, send a guy for a rehab assignment that lasts like two days um, I don't know that that's what they want to do with Bader. Um, assuming even, and again, that's assuming at the end of a month he could pick up back and go. And there's going to be a little bit more than that, right? I mean, there's going to be some building up of strength. Oh and, yeah. yeah, 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 and all that before they put him into a rehab assignment. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like I you know, would think. Yeah, you know, I would over. think
0: six weeks before baseball activities would be yeah. my guess.
1: So I think what, June 1st, probably your earliest, you would expect him to be back in St. Louis, and that's probably aggressive?
0: I would think so. Yeah, that's yeah. What, whenever we heard it, and considering that it has bothered him all spring, that it's probably pretty substantial. That's kind of what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, given Bader's background, given the spring, of course, it's hard to judge anything on the spring. if he's completely, yeah. the time. completely agree. Um, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, is this baseball kind of sorting out the problems, you know? Yeah. Um, now it would seem like you're going to get a starting um, outfield of O'Neill and Carlson and probably what, Justin Williams um, mm-hmm. to start with um, Lane Thomas. I don't know. You know, I was wrote about it this week. I, I think Lane Thomas probably winds up getting the option out, um, but maybe he stays um, and Dean goes down. I, I don't know what we can worry about that later, but, you know that's not the the outfield that we thought we were going to get, nope. and it's but it, I mean it might be, turn out to be a better one than we thought we were going sure. to.
0: Yeah, I I do think that there's opportunity here, and that's usually a good situation. I there there, my question is what are we not seeing with Lane Thomas? I feel I felt like this would be a situation to where. Thomas was going to be handed a lot of at-bats, and Williams was going to have to prove that, that he could handle it on the roster or hit his way into the starting lineup. I don't feel like that's necessarily the case now. I kind of feel like the Carlson move is going to be permanent until – or semi-permanent until uh, Bader gets back, or we start seeing him a little bit closer, and Williams is going to get the majority of time in, in right field. That or or worse, it could be Edmund. But uh, that's – I just kind of wonder – I feel pretty high about Lane Thomas and feel like that he would fit that gap pretty easy, but I just don't feel like that's an option right now. And I kind of, kind of makes me wonder why.
1: Well, looking at at bats, just, I mean, for what that's worth, he does have 33 at bats this spring, which ties him with Matt Carpenter for eighth on the team, about three more than Justin Williams, a few more than Harrison. I didn't realize Harrison Bader got 28, honestly. Um, I felt like he'd been out longer than that, but, um, you know, I, I guess part of it is he does have the option, you know, sure. um, and they weren't hundred percent sure that Justin Williams was going to, now it does appear that he's going to get that fourth mm-hmm. option. Um, but they weren't really expecting that. Um, and so I think they were just going to give Williams every bit of opportunity. Um, to try to make the team because they didn't have any, any other option, you know, Um, that may be part of it. Um, You know, we know we've talked about this before, how Thomas struggled last year. At least it seemed like because of his COVID, you know, that's, that was kind of the reporting after the season that the COVID had really, kicked him in the butt um, and he still was having issues with it even in September. So you kind of thought maybe he'd come to spring and be fully healthy. Maybe he's still recovering a bit from that. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, And there's the idea that, you know, Lane Thomas, you know, what we saw in 19 before he got hurt was, you know, maybe the best that you could ever happen. And that's just, he's never going to get back to that. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's got a chance, you know, he could come up, at any time, I mean, my roster, I was kind of sketching out, had Austin Dean. It's like the bench bat outfielder, but you could see him and Dean switching around because they both have options. Um, you know, when Harrison Bader does come back, that throws another wrench in the works. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, of course, you know. He didn't take you, you know. Didn't uh, you know? He's not been Tyler O'Neill this spring, right? I mean, he hasn't. You know, he's seven for thirty-three instead of fourteen for thirty-eight. You know, it's. I know that's you know just a rough sketch there, but um, he hasn't had it. He hasn't grabbed a hold of the opportunity now. Whether they've given him enough of one, that's a different story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And it seems like it seems he played a lot early, you know, and then right. uh, kind of hit a dry spell, which may may factor into that a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I just felt like it was a quick, um, it was a quick move to, uh, to kind of move Carlson and, and to prep him for a, uh, for a, for a majority of the center field reps right away. You know, that was, that was kind of what I would, it, it surprised me that that was so quick. And I knew that it, it that, that thomas had kind of fallen off a little bit but i didn't think it was that substantial to where he was non-existent in the in the equation now he has played he has played a lot of late inning games you know and the the second part of games too and and that's probably the the bigger part of the uh, showcase at this point but you know being we're within three games they go saturday sunday monday and then they're to cincinnati right
1: Yeah, I think they have Tuesday and Wednesday off, and then, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'll double-check that, but I don't think you're right. Keep going. Yeah,
0: and then, well, I was going to say, so I would think a lot of these decisions have been, have probably been made at this point, which, it it just surprised me that it happened so quickly.
1: Well, and you gotta, I mean, it kind of boils down to this, right? We talk about it all the time, that spring training stats mean nothing. Yeah, absolutely. But then we expect them to make their decisions on the fact that somebody's hitting the ball. Well, You, you know, I think. Well, no, I was talking with Josh Gilliam this week um, about the Rondon versus Sosa issue. Uh You know, Bernie laid it out pretty well, I think, too. You know, they've had Sosa on the forty-man roster for three or four years now. They're unlikely to cut him over, you know, fifteen at bats in spring training. Mm -hmm. Better, better path. I mean, Jose Rondon is doing well. Um, but he, you know, he's got a major league track record that's not necessarily the greatest. I mean, there was a reason he was out there on the, you know, able to sign a minor league contract. Not to, again. I'm not saying that you can't put some sort of weight in these, but we tend to dismiss them until we want to use them to, you know, decide that last yeah. spot in the roster. Yeah. And there's so many more things that go into it.
0: Sure, and you know what? I, I, I guess we're all kind of guilty of this, but I feel like I am. I, I know that I am to where you only really latch on to the ones that are atrocious or the ones that are awesome.
1: Right. You know, in
0: spring and then ones in between, you kind of discredit right away and say, well, that that doesn't matter. You know, I know that there's enough advanced metrics out there now that, that tell where the guys are hitting the ball hard and, you know, the tough luck aspect of it. And they take in some of the wet, the Florida weather, you know, and things like that. But you know, that can be, that could kind of seem like smoking mirrors real quickly. And uh, not saying that they're they're that we're being force fed negative things, but uh, you know, I feel like knowing that you have a full season to figure some things out, I feel like the the path of least resistance gets chosen a lot in those situations. Yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, you know, the samples are so small. I'm looking at the looking at it right here. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting 268 this spring, which I mean, again, batting average, whatever. But you look at that and you think. That's not bad. I mean, it's you know, you want a little bit more, but that's fine. No, and Arenado is hitting one ninety-five. You think, man, under two hundred. The difference is three hits. I mean, they they both have forty-one at bats. So the difference is, you know, three hits over this two or three week span. Mm-hmm. Um you know, again, we're not just using batting average and stuff like that, but I think it just shows that you know, one or two hits in a bad spot, you know. You know, we've seen Arnado get into a couple of balls that have been caught. You know, yeah. the wind, knock it down or whatever. You know, if if even just one of those goes over the wall, you know, his slugging probably doubles for the spring. Um, and you don't worry about it with guys like that because you know they're track record. I mean, you don't really worry about it. There's that idea of oh man, we just traded, but you know, still for the most part, you don't really think trade yeah. about it. But, um, it's just so hard to know what to take out of this. And, you know, again, that's why, that's why salary matters. That's why contract status matters. That's why, you know, where you rank in the organization matters. I mean, if all things are equal, then yeah, spring training stats might make a difference, but I just, I think we've seen enough times. Ben Godar was on with Alex, Chris LaFouille on Terps this week, while Tara was gone. Um, And Ben listed out, You know, the people that had led the team in in hitting and pitching over the last 10 years. And it's just a random hodgepodge of names. I mean, sometimes they're good players and sometimes they're players you didn't even remember. You know, um, just because you have a good spring doesn't mean that it's going to continue on or maybe you'll have a good April and and that's it. You know, Jeremy Hazelbaker comes to mind. Um, So I don't know that I want an organization making decisions on 40 spring at bats. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, you—it's—it's
0: it's one of those situations to where you love the Nagowski Hazel Baker mm-hmm. stories, but it you you the ink starts with the Carpenter stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I remember, right. I remember in the nineties, Ozzy having an atrocious spring, mm-hmm. and then you start hearing the end is near type situation. And you end up having a pretty good season, but uh, but it's it's and, and maybe I'm speaking in circles here. I don't know, but but it's just tough to differentiate the good from the bad when you really don't know what well how they're basing this the decisions right. off of
1: that. and that goes back i mean when you say aussie in spring training of course you always think about the the 96 spring training which yeah. the comes in and That's and huge. and yeah. royce Clark and clayton's in and he says whoever wins the competition is going to win but as we've said that competition and we've said it about a lot of different ones not just that oh one, yeah yeah the thumb on the scale you know that was, <laughs> yeah clayton, clayton didn't have clayton just had to just be serviceful, serviceable yeah. and he was gonna win. It wasn't necessarily like he was, you know, and Aussie had a great spring, and, and I get that that maybe that should have been communicated a little bit better or whatever. Um but, you know, to the diff- again, the difference is so small that, you know, a great spring, you know, it's like, yeah, you had a great spring, but you're also 42, you know, yeah. and yeah. shortstop. So, you know, this guy didn't have as great of a spring, but it's enough that we're going to let him be the starter. And again, I'm not sure that's the way how it would have gone. I don't know that it obviously wasn't handled the right way, but you can understand where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. So, and it's uh, so yeah, it, it's it's funny. I mean, are are your is your guess that Nagowski Nagowski makes the team?
1: I think so. I agree. With the way, I mean, it, and it's kind of funny to say that after I've just railed on for training stats. No, that, I agree.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's convoluted, but I, I think you and I are on the same page on this.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think if Bader wasn't, was healthy and, you know, it might be a little different story. Um, there are definitely scenarios where he would not have made the team. And in fact, if he wasn't, if they hadn't added him to the 40 man roster last year, I don't know if he makes the team. Yeah. Um he probably does. I think they have a spot and and I think there's enough there's not enough batters to push him out right now. So I think he gets to, I think he gets a chance to be that bench bat. I don't know how many times we'll see him in the outfield. Um I know they tried him out there this this week and I don't think anything disastrous happened, but I don't think we'll see him out there very much, but I do think he's going to be a guy that they're going to try to use as a pinch hitter and you know get those occasional starts here and there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of feeling. I feel like he's about the only one that's gonna sneak on the roster that we don't really expect to make the roster. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I know I completely agree. I think that uh, you know, I th- but, there was a ch- there was a chance that they probably wanted Rondone a little bit, but I think that ship's kind of yeah. sailed. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then, I mean,
1: and these guys. I mean, it's not like you know Rondone um, and some of these others, Thomas, whatever. It's not like they're going to be, you know, gone. No. I mean, they're yeah, going to completely be agree. available if somebody gets hurt or, you know, something of that nature, they're going to, they're going to have an opportunity. I would be, I would not be surprised. Let me say this. I would not be surprised to see Jose Rondon at some point in time, this season, maybe even in the first month.
0: Yeah, completely so, agree. Yeah.
1: So um, turning to the pitching side, you know, nothing much happened in the way of, I mean, Miles Michaels has been ruled out. I think we we even talked about that maybe last week. Um, KK is supposed to pitch. I don't know if he's going to get into a game before the end of spring training or not. That's or he's what supposed I, to be that, ready for. Yeah, that's what uh, I heard. I heard he's going to go three innings before they leave. Okay, um, but he's supposed to, you know, obviously, I guess he'll be the the fourth starter, which would be um, what the first game of the Miami series, probably um after Cincinnati yeah, obviously he he's gonna yeah. selfish <laughs>
0: reasons so let me let me figure this out yeah.
1: yeah um but even so I mean that's a he's an opener the first time or two basically yeah. right I mean he's only gonna go two three innings maybe um and then there's that fifth spot and uh, do you think that's tied up though I think
0: that's one job right now to be honest with you say so what I think that job's been one
1: yeah, well, who do you think's got it? Uh, Gant. I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I can understand that you would be uh, that, but there's still a lot of there was a lot of positive press out of a terrible start for Ponce uh, <laughs> Mont- de León. That I well, am not. Though I didn't think about that. I am not completely ruling him out them thinking that gant's more valuable than the bullpen
0: yeah yeah that's in the back of my mind i i th- I, I think that he's going to get the first shot and the reason i think that because i feel i feel like that that ultimately that's probably what they do think but i think that they either had to go all in or back out i don't about a week and a half ago and i felt like they've gone all in on the starting portion of it
1: yeah, I mean, Zachary Silver's writing a little bit about that start. And even here, it says he's looking likelier by the day that he'll be in the rotation. And, uh, you know, again, if KK's out, obviously both of them are making it. But, yeah. you know, I, I could easily see that them at least starting with Ponce. Um And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm afraid he's going to walk everybody in the the all 12,000 people that are sitting in the stands, it wouldn't be that bad of a deal.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating to see the the strikeout ability that he has, but just the the rain and the the control. It's tough. I mean, you know, I know that I get on my soapbox on this one a little bit, too. Yeah, you've got me fired up tonight.
1: Well, you know, that's But
0: Yeah, but uh, have you seen a prospect... That they think so highly of that you heard so little about, like comparable to Oviedo this spring. I feel like he is lurking quickly in the rotation, and I think they're hiding him a little bit, and I think that they're trying not to talk themselves into moving him too quickly. That's just my opinion.
1: That's probably part of it. Um, yeah, you know, so they've already gone ahead and sent him. Yeah, down, he went right quick. There. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's well, part not of
0: necessarily it. quick, but
1: I mean, yeah, he only got two innings since camp, so. yeah, um, now granted some of the, I don't know what he did on backfields or something like that. Only two recorded yeah. in, in games. Um, yeah. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, we saw a lot of Alviedo. I think they may think he needs just a little bit more sure. um, seasoning. Um, and I don't think they were ever going to take him over Gant, Ponce, maybe even Alex Reyes, even though they've, you know, we know we've, we've discussed the Reyes issue for, for yeah. a while. Um, I just don't think he might be right behind those guys, but I think they'd rather him be at Memphis for a little bit and be in an option if Ponce fails. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Ponce is, is he out of options? I think he is. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is where you got to figure out what you got with him. Um, So, I mean, either a bullpen or a starter spot. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, it's a little bit surprising that they moved him so quickly, but. um if he's going to be a starter, you know, at least with Libertor and and Thompson who stayed into camp until, I don't know if they went in the last cuts or the cuts before, um, you know, there's an idea that they could come up and be a reliever and stuff like that. But it feels like, we saw Oviedo last year, you know, he only started, and that's probably what he does again this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It's uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, Thompson, and those guys, they, uh, they were up till last night with Parsons, Mm. you know, after the Houston game and and were we're reassigned so that, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I just, it's funny because I I felt like he was, he was going to be in the mix a little bit more. I kind of felt that way about, uh, you know, Woodford as well, but I think they see a little bit of benefit of Woodford in the, uh, in the, uh, in the bullpen. But, you know, it goes back to the, it, where we don't top line right now out. If, if Flaherty's Flaherty and Wainwright pitches like he has the spring and toward the end of our, all of last season, then that's going to mean that top line's pretty good. But what does it show you in overall depth that the, the Memphis rotation could be really good as well? You know that's yeah. that's that's where I think the Cardinals are in a good situation because they do have a, a wealth of maybe three and four starting pitching.
1: They do. Um, I think a lot of that still needs the seasoning. You yeah. know, I would not want to see as much as as exciting as it is. I don't think I'd want to see Leibrator up. You know, oh yeah, 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 type thing. I think he needs a little bit more. I will say it is just given how this spring went. Um, I don't know that there was a spot from me out working out the the 13 man, but I was a little surprised that Tommy Parsons didn't make it till the very last little bit. Uh, you know, they've used him in a couple of spots that have been kind of key moments, yeah. you know, you know, ending one of those terrible first innings that we seem to always be running into. And that's something yeah. we can talk about in a minute, but, um, <laughs> but they, you know, sending him down, of course, again, like it was last night. So it's almost to the end of the camp, but, um, I thought, and I think he's he's put himself on the radar to at least be some sort of guy that when they need something, this you know a bullpen arm or something of that nature. I don't know that they'd bring him up as a starter, but um, I I think we'll probably see him at some point in time this year.
0: Sure, I I would think so. And it's it all one of those just trying to do the math, and I may be completely wrong, but it seems like it one of those spots may have been down to Whitley and Parsons yeah you know and really yeah. really impressed them last year as well
1: yeah and he's a definite yeah open piece um let me see I, what i did earlier this week um yeah i mean it's you got your five starters and i had Gann that's the starter but you flip him with pons but then you've got gagos helsley hicks miller reyes webb quickly um you know that means you guys you're but you're right career carrera's at at Memphis, maybe starting Woodford's. Maybe at Memphis starting, Um Oviedo's probably at Memphis starting. Yeah, I don't know what they do with Libator and Thompson. Yeah, I don't know. Do they do they bring them up? Do you think? Well, I don't know.
0: And they're then playing. I you wonder about you know, Angel Rendon, and you know yeah. they yeah. There's a lot of names. I mean, it's some of the selfishly I'd like to see in Springfield. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I know I said this last time, and I would like kind of like to see the. Uh, Delvin Perez as well. And it may just be asking too much. I mean, you know, Rondome, he in 19 made the move to Memphis. So I can't really see him going back to Springfield either. So, so I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they, it just, I mean, you, we probably named 12 guys right there that yeah. a lot of teams would want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, some, there's depth. I mean, you could argue that the depth isn't necessarily the highest level yeah. of depth. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, you know, three or four, you know, four, five starters right now. Yeah. But, this is a point that again was brought up on terms this week. You know, it helps the Cardinals have a fairly solid floor. You know, you're not gonna, they're not gonna have to throw a guy out there that's probably gonna give up five or six runs a game. You know, they're guys they're gonna keep you in ball games. You may not win very many games, and it may not be all that great, but you know, they're gonna keep you in a ball game, and you know, that's all you can hope for, especially well, when you're filling in a back of a rotation.
0: Sure, and then you know, there's a part of it that you're just like, well, if you feel like you can get you know, five to six innings every week out of Flaherty and Wainwright, then you know that your bullpen is going to, or you're hoping that your bullpen is going to be good enough to where you can pick up those innings on the other three guys. If, if Kim is not, you know, 20, 20 KK, you yeah. know, I think there, I think there's a lot of hope in that. And I feel like there's a depth enough to where they feel like they could do that carousel a little bit better this year than they did last year because they have extended any guys.
1: We saw a lot of pitchers last year, of course, oh, because man. of the whole issues. Yeah. But and so I don't think we're going to reach that level. But there could be a whole lot of different names this year too. Oh, I, I would mean, think, yeah. Now, you know, you also then run the risks of losing people off the forty man and stuff of that nature. But you know, at some point down there there may be a lot, especially if there's injuries and stuff. There may be a lot of people making some debuts
0: sure yeah i mean it could be exciting i mean last year it felt out of necessity this year maybe you had a performance and that's that that excites me a little bit and that may be the overly optimistic look
1: on it though yeah i mean i think that we're we're very much ready to get back to the idea of of being for performance instead of yeah uh, uh, just because you have to throw jesus screws in there or whatever the case may be yeah Um, but he had a pretty good spring i don't want to you know dog on him but uh you know, it wasn't exactly what everybody would have drawn up for, for last year, but he yeah. was on the forty man, and so uh, we pretty much used everybody they could there. Um, go into it. You know, this time next week, Cardinals will have played their first game. Um, is anything? Has anything changed your mind this spring from when they've started to where they are now? versus their chances or anything like that
0: no no not necessarily it I would have loved to have seen one of the outfielders take off one of the young guys um mm-hmm. I think that O'Neill has done enough to where he's pretty solid in that spot uh I feel like Carlson you're we're going to give him a little bit of rope but I think he's going to be there too I really I, I held out a lot of hope for Elaine Thomas and I still do just because I think the skill sets there uh each passing day I may feel a little bit worse than that, but like I said, to, to go full circle on this, I don't know how much weight we can put into spring. I maybe even a situation where he saw that, you know, he had lost the left field spot when by the time they broke camp with O'Neill. You know, and it's one of those to where then you're just like, well, I'm. This is an, this is uphill for me from from the rest of the time. I mean, it, he could be one of those players as well. But uh, but no, even with the uh, even with the chink in the armor on the pitching, I still feel like there's enough arms, and I think the bullpen's going to be good enough to where uh, to where they're going to be good. They're going to compete in the division. Um, I think you're going to look in six months, and in your into young is going to be DeYoung. young. You just hope those highs and lows are not super super low you know, one of those, one of those things. And, and uh, he'd be more of that ancillary piece with, uh, with Nolan and and Goldschmidt being those, uh, those stakes in the, uh, in the lineup. And I I mean, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think the, uh, I'm kind of coming around on the lineup a little bit more than I was. I'm not, I'm still not the biggest fan of Deion cleaning up just because I feel like that's a little bit of pressure, but, but I do think they're going to be really good.
1: I will say about the lineup and and I heard two styles on Conversations with Saruti, the one episode nine. Listen to that one, not episode 10, the one I was on. Um, but, um, talking about the idea of Carlson up there, the second spot. And we talked yeah. about that a lot this, this yeah. offseason. Um, you know, I kind of like that just because I feel like and maybe it's not, maybe it's old school thinking and that he yeah. wouldn't nowadays, but I just feel like he'd see a lot more fastballs there. Yeah. And we saw how much, you know, people went after him with some off-speed stuff. Not that he can't adjust, but, you know, getting the chance to maybe see a little bit more. People have to pitch him a little bit more traditionally um, with the big boppers behind him. It could be interesting. But, you know, honestly, if you're not going to do that, I'm kind of – I kind of like this idea of goldschmidt uh Arenado, um, In first inning. In second, yeah. third, yeah, first inning. And, um, you know, again, I'm like you. I'm afraid that you get – you know, you could see uh, you know, Edmund out, those two guys get on, and then you have a DeYoung strikeout, and then where are you at? Or even, a, you know, bases loaded in a DeYoung strikeout, and then you get a double play and, out of Yachty, because he's probably at fifth or something. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, here we go again. Not that it would happen that often, but, yeah, I'd like to – I'd really – of course, Tyler O'Neill has the same issue, I guess. I'd almost like to see Tyler O'Neill four, and DeYoung five, and then Yachty
0: so. that's that's kind of how i feel that's what i've been coming what i'd like oh, to see
2: yeah.
0: and that you know what and i we're 80s and 90s baseball kids too i mean yeah. i love the idea of the two switch hitters at the top of the lineup i mean mm-hmm. it's i feel like you could it, it brings in a lot of excitement i think that it get, opens up a lot of options but, but yeah you're right i mean i remember in oh man it was probably it was probably in mid 90s or whatnot and it was a i can't remember if I remember the conversation I was having, but they were like, "Put hit your best two hitters, one and two. They hit the most times they're in the game. And I, used mm-hmm. to, I go, that is stupid. That just looks dumb. You know <laughs> what I mean? One of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And now when you think about it, you're just like, well, yeah, in a situation like this, that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's, they're not going to lead off. Yeah, well, you know where I'm going with it. You, right. you have your two boppers in the top three, and it, and it makes a little bit of sense. Aesthetically, it doesn't look great, but but I can kind of understand where they're coming from. I think Goldsmith can hit anywhere, first of all.
1: You know, and it would be, I hope that we will see at least one time this year, um, you know, Carlson leading off. Maybe it's a day that Edmund's not playing. Um, let Carlson lead off in front of um, Goldschmidt and Arnauto. Because um, that would be, I think that could be kind of fun as well. You know, I always think about the book that I read the most in, when I was growing up um, as a baseball fan was George Will's Men at Work. Yeah um you know and, and he in if you haven't read it my copy is literally falling apart yeah it's one of the few books i have that does that um but it's, he he looked at four aspects of the game through the eyes of the people that were you know i uh, looked at defense from cal ripkin and he looked at pitching from oral hersheiser because this was written like 89 90 it was right after hersheiser's big yeah. um streak and um kidding with tony gwynn managing was of course tony the russo uh, back when he was with Oakland and I, I think about way he was talking about constructing a lineup and wanting, and we've talked, we, you know, he talked about it when he was in St. Louis too, about damage at the top of the lineup. always wanted that, you know, he wanted to put you know, Cardinal Lansford second because it was Henderson in front and McGuire behind, you know, is mm-hmm. that, idea of, you know, you're, you're going to get something to hit. And I guess that probably influences me as well, but the idea of having a guy in Carlson, again, He's got speed, but you're not going to use him that way necessarily, but a guy that could, you know, you can be one to nothing before, you know, get off, you know, and, sure. and then and then you got the two big poppers coming up. Um, that idea is, is intriguing as well. Again, I don't expect to see him very regularly, but every once in a while, I would not mind that at all.
0: Sure. I mean, I, t- I, I do hope we get some,
1: some different looks. I think
0: there's a lot of people that are worried about Edmund leading off in general, just getting on base, but he's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, he brings an element to the top of the lineup that we haven't seen in a while. You know, I say that Wong was like that as well. So, but uh, yeah, I can understand the, the, the apprehension on it, but no, I agree with you. I mean, it's uh the kind of is the one that, 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 that started that. If you yeah. remember, you know, in the All Star game, he let off bow and hit yes. Boggs right behind him.
1: For that yep. reason, yep, yep. I remember that. I had that. I still have. Well, maybe not because I may have gotten rid of all my VHS tapes, but I had that All Star game on on <laughs> the. It was awesome. On the, yeah, and yeah. it was. I don't know if you remember Ronald Reagan. Was oh on yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that was right after he was. It was right after he was out of office. And, well,
0: and yeah, they went back to back, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, don't, you don't remember, that one. you don't remember Boggs Homer.
1: You no, know, I do. Cause I remember he was, uh, Reagan was talking yeah. and, uh, but Reagan was talking and, uh, and it was, I guess in the middle of the story and Boggs says there. He said, it looks like that one's going there too. You yeah. know, yeah. and it did. I mean, yeah, back to back, uh, Homer's off of those guys. Uh, it, it was, uh, A different time of course so i don't know well i'm sure we'll see i think schultz will be probably pretty standard with his lineups um but we'll see enough variation just for days off and in here and there and if if for some reason lineup doesn't work i think that he'll be willing to shake it up a little bit too so anyway next week again we will be talking about the First game of the season, and we will be joined by Zachary Silver, uh, the MLB.com beat writer, who just took over what right before spring training, I think. So he's new to the gig, doesn't really know that he shouldn't probably come on with us. So thankfully <laughs> we got him before he realized what he was getting into. But uh, Zach will be with us. Zachary, I don't know. We'll have to see. I'll see what he goes by. We'll um, be with us next week. Uh, after that, uh, the week after that, we'll have Rob Brains, and then man, this, I mean we've had a run of and I mean, it's gone all the way back. You know, Jason Hill joined us December 31st. And then ever since then, um, boy, Alan, you're going to be tired and bored to talk just to me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny how quickly yeah, it,
0: it has gone, gone. though. I yeah. mean, that has added to the off season and, it uh, has been fun.
1: Yes, it has. It has. So again, we'll be with you next week and, uh, talking about the beginning of the season. So until then that's Alan, I'm Daniel.